of the Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by all of my awesome co-hosts this week. Hello, me, Nate Heininger. <laughs> Laura Nash. Don't you know me, Reagan? I'm your brother, Shane Kelly. <laughs> and this week, we are talking about a game that I, I did not think we would ever talk about on this show again. Kind of exciting. We're talking about Rolando, or more specifically, Rolando Royal Edition which is new on the App Store in this year of 2019. The king of all Rolandos is indeed a character in this video game. A large spherical king. I, I, I don't know how many of our listeners will be familiar with Rolando. I, for me, that's like instant name recognition. I know exactly what this game is because uh, it was one of the very first games I downloaded on my iPhone 3G, my first iPhone. It was a very exciting time. I depends on when you got your first device. So in 2008, when the game came out, uh, there were about 500 games in the App Store, and I had just started working at a game company that made me download Rolando to the company iPod Touch, or maybe like the company iPhone that someone else owned. It was also my boss's phone. It was a very hazy time, but it was a game that used the accelerometer and everyone lost their damn minds. And it's still a good game, even though that's no longer its primary selling point. Yeah, the the uh, accelerometer features were a big deal for the original iPhone because, I mean, obviously they put the accelerometers in to from the very original iPhone so that it could rotate the screen as you turned it, which was a huge uh, wow moment when they demoed the iPhone. Now it's in everything. But... It really drove a lot of really creative game developers to come back to this kind of rolling ball concept that's been knocking around the video games industry since, uh, I don't know, uh, Marble Madness. Uh, and there was a, there was like Monkey Ball was big on the iPhone. Pinball games were all over the place. <laughs> I, I just looked at my App Store history and you can go all the way back, which is kind of fun. And I didn't have an iPhone until the 4S, but the first game I downloaded was Skee-Ball. So another classic rolling ball game straight out of the arcades. Yeah, I think setting the scene from way back in 2008, that was, you know, in terms of the, the just overall video game landscape, that was pretty early days for what looking back was sort of the indie game revolution. Uh, you know, indie games were starting to appear on consoles with things like Xbox Live Arcade. Uh, and uh, you were starting to see an actual market for indie games on PC. Um, marketplaces like Steam were starting to open up, and people were people were starting to actually make a living as small indie video game developers selling their games to consumers. And the iPhone was a you know blue ocean for that. You know, the iPhone was like suddenly there was this platform that everybody wanted to have one of these devices, it was the new hotness. And unlike any video game platform previously, really, any developer that wanted to could pay a hundred bucks, get a developer account and start creating games for this device. And so the, the only limitation, the only barrier was how do you make a game for such a limited device, a tiny screen with like a 320 by, I forget what, like 480 pixel 80. screen. Yeah. It's burned in somewhere deep in that recesses. Ridiculously small, kind of low resolution screen. Seemed very nice at the time, but really low resolution screen. Extraordinarily underpowered device. Yeah, it was a gorgeous screen, but I think I have 
icons on my desktop that are that big now. Hey, but you forget that the, a lot of the world were making Flash games, so it wasn't that different. <laughs> That's absolutely true. And I think a lot of people made that transition from building Flash games over to building mobile games around this time. Um, and, but the problem, I think, was just mostly like, how do you do this? At the time, I think all the developers were coming at it from the approach of either building these very... Um, uh, menu-driven type of experiences, you know, tapping type of style things. Or if you were going to build a game that was involved involved character action, uh, you put buttons on the screen in in place of a D-pad, um, and that was that was what people knew how to do at the time. And Rolando kind of changed that. Or if it wasn't menus or D-pad on screen, everything was like you'd flick something, you yeah, know, like one, like yeah. one. Because the App Store had guidelines for developers that said, here's what the phone can do. It's like, you can do a long press. You can flick. You can, yeah. it was basically telling you how hands work. <laughs> and yeah. also there's a there's an accelerometer. So if you couldn't figure out how to make the accelerometer work or a camera to take a picture and do a sticker book, which is what we did for our first app, um, it was a weird Easter themed thing where you called like egg foo you or something and you dress people up and that definitely is not available in the app store anymore Bring but you basically back. turn yourself into Bring an easter egg it, it was a weird app it was literally an excuse to get our dev to learn the kit and that's how i know these guidelines because we had a sticker that did each of the like finger movements huh neat okay because that's how you learned how to do it because it was 2008 <laughs> yeah and it was an extraordinarily new like it was a totally new platform there were all new paradigms and for like ui and everything so it, a lot of developers were spending a lot of time trying to figure out, like, what do you do with this thing? Also, if you taught your dev how to do iOS, there was, like, a almost 100% chance that they would go somewhere else with ah. newfound training. <laughs> so uh, it was I like, mean, how do you make the dev learn iOS but also stay at the company? <laughs> Big problem. That That's that's amazing. And now it's, like, de uh, iOS development is, like, table stakes for a lot of people. Like, it's, it's one of those, like, you have... You have to be able to do that in uh, it, for certain types of industries. Like you, that's just a, I don't know. It's it's very interesting to me, like how much this exploded in that time, and a big part of that was just like every now and then an app would come out or a game would come out that figured out some basic thing. Like I remember, pull to refresh was like something that mm -hmm. you know Tweety, the the Twitter client, figured out. And suddenly you saw that in absolutely every single app. And now it's a system level feature that you find in like the contacts app and stuff like it's everywhere. So this was a time when every developer was just like throwing things at the wall, trying to figure out how to make div how to make apps and games for this new platform that did things. And sometimes that meant inventing new interface paradigms. And I wouldn't say that Rolando exactly invented tilt based rolling ball gameplay. But it definitely nope. was the first thing that I remember playing that brought this to the iPhone. But it was actually fun. What I remember specifically from this time was everybody was trying to figure out how to fit a classic, probably the most classic genre of video games onto a touchscreen, which is to say everyone wanted to make a platformer mm -hmm. for iOS. Yeah, everyone wanted to make the Mario of iOS. And for many years after... Um, this game, they, people kind of landed on something totally different from what Rolando tried, uh, and that was the Auto Runner, right? Mm -hmm. The Auto Runner is without a doubt the like most prolific mobile platforming subgenre. 
But and when Mario finally showed up, it was an auto runner. Yep. Yes. <laughs> uh, what Rolando tries is so different from that. And it's one of the only games that managed to stick this, which is the combination of the tilt controls and the kind of classic rolling ball genre that goes back so far with a platformer. Because what do you do in this game? You tilt the phone and you swipe up to jump. So now you've got all your classic platformer controls. Uh, and you also can select multiple characters by doing a swipe down, which is something that I still don't see in that many games where you'd have a platformer you're controlling multiple it, it felt characters. a little Starcraft or something in a way like it was in it, that it, way yeah I remember being totally blown away by how this game felt on the phone you know the the tilting just made sense and worked this wasn't as far as I, I don't I don't think this was actually the first tilt based game even on the iPhone but it was the first one that I remember that felt like you had really fine control over the over the things that you were rolling around. It wasn't one of these like labyrinth games where, you know, you're like, I, I, before this, I remember playing a, a labyrinth game on the iPhone where you were tilting your phone and it played kind of like one of those, it actually tried to look just like one of those little wooden puzzles where you've got a ball and you're trying to roll it without falling in little holes. And the whole point of that was that the, you didn't have perfect control over the the ball that you were rolling around. It was, you know, the whole point of that was that that you know, you're you're tilting and it was a bit chaotic and it was a bit hard to control. This was something where like you're tilting the screen, but you really feel like you have control over the things almost just as much as you have control over Mario and like Super Mario Brothers. Like it's it feels very tight and very well designed. I think it's because they yeah. really understood about like having a dead zone in the middle so that you're not, you know, you, you can easily stop if you need to and the Rolandos have a bit of drag as they roll so it doesn't feel like they sort of build up a ton of momentum and then go careening in different directions as you, you know, try to try to rebalance your phone or anything. It feels very in control the whole time. They've got a, uh, you know, to use the Mario comparison, they have like a Mario weight to them. Yeah. You know, um, and, and having not played this game uh, when it was contemporary, I got an iPod touch in 2009. And I think at that point I probably saw the price tag and thought that's not what it, these games are for. And just stuck with my free, uh, free games. But uh, having played it now, like I s- kind of still agree with you. I don't think I've played a game ever that still feels this good using the accelerometer on an iPhone. Like, yeah, I really nailed it, it right out of the gate. It it feels great. Yeah, being an early App Store game, one thing that this does that to me was new at the time, just because it was new to that platform, was pinch to zoom. Mm. Yeah. Um, Managing the camera in video games has been a challenge since like Mario 64. Like the the first 3D system that brought it out had to include a special camera stick. You know, the N64 had a whole stick just for this. And controlling your view in this game felt more natural than essentially any previous game I had played because, you know, you were just using that very instantly understandable pinch to zoom gesture. Uh, I still remember seeing that gesture in the demo of the photos app during the introduction of the original iPhone. And to me, that was the 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 maps app. My God, it was like, this is absolutely revelatory because when they showed off the maps app on the first iPhone, you know, zooming in and suddenly all this detail pops into view. Like that was amazing. Yeah. Or zooming the, you know, web pages of the day, which were 
all to a to a single one uh, designed for a large desktop monitor. And so yeah. being able to zoom in on that was really what made the kind of usability of the iPhone possible. So uh, applying that to a game was really neat. Yeah, it was a huge thing to just take controls to use your phone or to use the device in other applications and try to use it in a game. And to me, the only thing that feels kind of old is tutorials, but honestly, they were necessary and they're pretty funny, so I don't mind. And they've completely rebuilt this game. Um, I think the developer said that it, you know, looked pretty old, but now they've built it in Unity and it's slick. It's all 3D. Uh, It looks really really polished. Yeah, yeah. We, we should say that this game disappeared from the App Store in 2017, and it was a real loss. Like, this uh, this is a foundational game of the iPhone. Uh, still fun to play today, but also, like, it hadn't been touched or updated in many years. Um, the developer, Hand Circus, um, I think the rights had gone, the rights were with their publisher, NG Moco. Uh, and NG Moco, a little bit of a small but interesting story, NG Moco was a pretty prolific games publisher on the early App Store and then was, uh, it was, it was uh, founded by some XEA people. And then it was bought by DNA. Uh, and if that name sounds familiar, it's D-E-N-A. If that name sounds familiar, it's because it's the very large Japanese game publisher that is partners with Nintendo um, now. But at the time, they were just a big mobile game publisher from Japan, uh, and they were in a kind of a big expansion phase. They bought NG Moco and kind of turned it into their Western arm. Um, but as a part of that process, they basically shut down all of the Western IP and basically turned uh, NG Moco into just DNA West. And then a couple of years ago, they shut that down completely. They no longer have a Western arm. And basically their partnership with Nintendo is their Western strategy. They no longer have any like special Western people as part of their company. It's just they distribute and uh, Nintendo's mobile games here. Um, so the rights story for Rolando is a little bit sad. Like it, w- it the rights to this game went uh, went east and went to a company that had no particular interest in maintaining Rolando. And uh, so the game languished without updates to support modern devices for quite a long time and finally stopped being able to be downloaded at all as of iOS 11 when they stopped allowing 32-bit apps. So it vanished in, I'm sorry, it vanished in 2017. Um, So we thought this important game was gone forever and suddenly we've got a new edition of it. Yeah, I could say the Ingmoco for me when they did kind of go away in that way, um, we lost a lot of games that I really liked. Uh, so there was Rolando, but there was also Topple. Do you guys remember Topple? Yeah, Topple was cool. Yeah, it was a nice. It also used the accelerometer. It was and it was kind of a reverse Tetris tower building game. Uh, we lost. Uh, I'm pretty sure I played Dropship, but I don't remember that one that well. Of course, there was a sequel to Rolando. Um, uh, but there was also Dr. Awesome and Maze Finger, both of which I remember playing. And uh, what was the game that they published or, or maybe developed that was a uh, first-person shooter? It was called um, something with an E. Uh, it was called Eliminate. Eliminate, uh, that was it. And those are, those are gone as well. I think it was Eliminate Pro. Eliminate was, I mean, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but Eliminate was phenomenal. It was a full-on first-person shooter on the iPhone. That was, I, th- I think, the very first one. And certainly the first one that was actually playable. And I remember playing that game online, playing a first person shooter on my phone, on the iPhone 3G. And it was, it was an absolutely 
unbelievable experience. Like I could not believe this was working on my phone. It was yeah. a 3D Quake engine based first person shooter that you could play online against other people on your phone. It was, I mean, that that's, you know, boring I still haven't now. Done that oh my God. Since, really? I, I, yeah, I, mean, I know, really. I know that these games exist, but that's what I associated the Ingmoco. I think it's Ingmoco instead of NGMoco. I could be wrong about that. I think it's like that pronunciation. Uh, but I remember that company because I had seen all these games and I was really impressed with the way that they could bring these unusual genres to mobile and nail the controls seemingly every time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I mean, that's that I, I, I regret losing them as a company as much as I really regret losing this particular game. But this is definitely emblematic of that to me. Uh, Rolando. um you know, it felt like a full featured release. You know, it felt yeah. like a console or a computer quality game in a time where a lot of what you were getting from the app store was like fart apps and paper toss. Yeah, it, it compared super favorably against things like at the time we were talking about things on the uh, on the DS or the PSP. And it launched for 10 bucks. People were like, it's five, three to five hours for $10. That's a bargain compared to console. Um, and, uh, what a world! Oh that God, was. what a world we were um, living because in. Because it was the good app, yeah. Um, as opposed to all the bad ones, there was like plenty of one dollar apps, but it was like ten dollars for a good app. Maybe this is what good apps cost. And um, the other flashback, I looked back at original reviews. They include the size twenty five point one megabytes for the original Rolando. Oh my goodness! Included mm. in all your reviews, so you can pack your tiny little phone. With uh, beautiful, hilarious facial animations. Yeah. And those were great. The, the the character of these little balls is half the appeal, isn't it? More than yeah. half. Should we actually talk about what the game is at this point? Like, I feel like we have definitely ah, been spending... They know they've had... That's like <laughs> saying we don't want to give spoilers on Star Wars. They, they've had they've had since... They've had a decade to, to, to figure out what this game is. That's Less a good point. Years. No, please, please. Please, tell us what the game is. Well... Um, well, I, I wasn't saying that I should be the one ha. to explain the game. <laughs> Whoever smelt it, dealt it, Nate. Yeah. Fart apps and paper toss, I think, is definitely, to go back to that, Shane, the best description of the App Store circa 2008 or 2009. Um, so, I mean, we've been kind of talking about it, but basically what's, what's really unique about Rolando is it's like a platformer where you start with one or many of these little characters. They're called Rolandos. I kept wanting to say Orlandos, but uh, <laughs> it's Orlando, but take the R and put it in front. Roll it. And, yeah. And your goal is to get them to the gate at the end of the map. Um, so very, you know, platform-esque. Get to the end of the map. But in this game, it's not necessarily moving left or right. It might be moving up, down, sometimes turning your phone entirely upside down and flip it upside down where you are rolling these balls, these little, you know, adorable characters through a whole series of either like platforming challenges where you have to roll them really fast and then jump at the right time to make a jump or solve little puzzles where you have to leave one on like a switch and then roll another one over to another switch. So you have two Rolandos each on a switch. Um, to like unlock a door somewhere and it gets increasingly complex and increasingly new types of Rolandos who each have their own 
skills. You know, there's some that can climb walls. There's some that are that like, can't be squished, um, things like that. So you end up with a little army. I, I almost thought of it like like lemmings. Yeah, you know, lemmings is a good a comparison because you do have to get yeah. a certain number of them to a gate at the end of the level, and that's very lemmings-like. I also yeah. kind of was reminded of um, Three Vikings, which is a game I played mm-hmm. a lot of back on the Sega Genesis. It was an early uh, Blizzard game, and it was a platformer where you had three characters, each of which had their own like strength. So one of them could jump higher, one of them could run faster, that sort of. One of them had a shield. Um, and uh, you'd have to use their skills in combination to get through a puzzle level. Uh, you know, and get them all to the exit of the level. And uh, sometimes when it's really working well, this has that kind of uh, kind of vibe to it. Too. Right, you're so, thinking of Lost Vikings. What did I say? Three, Three Vikings. Oh, okay. Lost Vikings is indeed what I was thinking of. Thank you, Shane. My Sega Genesis memories are failing me. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, it's like what I really enjoy about this game is that it's definitely challenging at times, um, but the overall package is so like delightful that even when you fail and you have killed all of the Rolandos cause they die, uh, when you, when you make a mistake, it's really easy to start over. They checkpoint it pretty well. Um, it, it just, it's challenging, but light enough that it just kind of feels fun. And it's every level is short enough that you can pick it up, complete a level or two or three or four, Put it down. Even if you don't finish that level, if you're like, you know, it's your phone. So, you know, you get a call or you're like, oh, I'm immediately distracted by a million other things. You like want to use that fart app. Yeah. You got to get that <laughs> fart app out. Um, you know, you can pick it back up and be like, even if you have to start a level over, it's like maybe 30 seconds of playtime. So it's yeah. totally fine. Yeah, and it's a it's a short game overall. Um, you know, good for the show. It's about three to five hours, and each uh, it's I think it's like th- across like thirty six levels or something like that. That might be that might be an old number. I think they added levels. I don't know whether this Royal Edition includes the levels that they added to the original game over time. Um, I think the original game had thirty six levels. This one might have slightly more than that, but it's in that neighborhood. Yeah, and it's really pretty. You know, it, yeah. they did a really good job. So the the whole map is on. It's like a a book opens up and it almost I, I think it looks like a board game. Disney style. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Snow White opens up. There's now a world inside of it. Yeah. And the world is broken into four quadrants, each very specifically designed. Um, and the, the sort of enemies or the maps fit within that world design of that quadrant. Um, it's just it's a really complete package. Yeah. Um, and, and like I said, I had not played it. And I know this is a total remake, but it felt like modern. It felt like a, like it could have come out. Th- like I know a big part of this episode is that this is a really release, a remake of like a classic iOS game. But I also feel like having never ha- having zero nostalgia for this game. think like, oh, this is a good game right now. You know, so if if you don't have this throwback experience from 2008. Like, I still think this is worth checking out because it's really pretty. And I, st- I do think it's the tightest accelerometer, like game that relies on the accelerometer. Like that is the game is using the accelerometer. It- it's the best one that I've played. There's something about playing a game on accelerometer because it does limit in some ways where you play this, how you play this. You know, mm, I'm not yeah. playing this one on the on the L standing up with one hand, but 
there's something very immersive about, you know, literally taking the iPhone and flipping it upside down to, to solve some of the levels and um, to really playing with your device. Now that I am more of an adult than I was in 2008 and I don't use them for games as often as I use them for work, it is so much fun to just like use your iPhone like a steering wheel to get these little <laughs> Ubers everywhere. Like it, it feels playful. It's great. Yeah, and I normally like the accelerometer feature of anything is like my least favorite thing. So oh, yeah. N- Nintendo has been trying to cram down our throats for years. The like, isn't it fun to twist your controller in a strange way? Um, and 99% of the time I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, specifically when you said use your controller, like a steering wheel, I'm like, that is death. That is like, that is, <laughs> that is my, like, that is my idea of hell is being forced to play oh. a game that uses a controller as a, like twisting your controller as a steering wheel. Yeah. I hate it, it most of the time. Rolando does it. It works. Totally. You use it a little bit and occasionally you turn it upside down, but it's only for the like. Bonus levels. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm thinking of like Breath of the Wild, you know, maybe like my favorite game, at least over the last several years. And you go in a shrine where like, okay, now you got to twist your uh, your switch to control. I'm like, Upside nah, down. Uh, uh, no, 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 don't make me do this, <laughs> you know. Um, so they, they do a really good job with it and it feels fun and it feels like natural. Like, yeah. I mean, it, the entire game is built around it, so you'd hope so, but it just feels better than any other game that I played that had that before i do think it's funny you said the tutorial feels really old and i hadn't thought of that until you said it and i was trying to think about like why that is and i I think it's like you don't get a lot of games anymore where the beginning of a lot of levels they're like hi i'm jumpy joe and i know how to jump so here's how i jump do you want to try to make me jump now you know oh no a pit how will i get across the pit <laughs> maybe we should call jumpy joe from the first level here he is yeah, hi jumpy exactly. joe you yeah. walk by a sign it expands to fill the screen text appears jumpy joe can jump over the pit yeah, it's, yeah. It tap is. the screen you do that by putting your finger on it honestly it's not as bad as all that it's, it's, it's not, not that, that bad. bad but I, you're you're right in that like the first several levels do feel a little bit like i got this dude like i've been playing ios games for 10 years now like i i know how to tilt a screen but like people didn't in 2008 so like you know that's part of this experience and yeah also it's not like a uh a game on a console or a computer where you can just like try all the buttons, see what happens. That's true. Yeah, you're gonna do kind of wiggle your fingers all over the screen. It's a black box. Yeah. Lord knows what you're supposed Gestures to do. Gestures are always a discoverability problem. Always. So, so you're talking about the ways that this game has like this this new edition has kind of modernized things. And the biggest change is that they shifted from kind of fully 2D to sort of 2.5D. Um so they remade the the original Rolando was all two-dimensional shapes, flat colors, very simple looking. Um, And now it's been remade with pretty detailed 2.5D art. So the Rolandos are still these sort of like 2D circles, but they're now in a kind of a 3D space, sort of. And so you see there, they cast a shadow. There's more detail to all of the environments. It looks really good, like really natural. Nate, you said this game looks really modern. I agree. Like it looks like a totally modern top shelf iOS game now. I, w- I was thinking um, uh, Yuri's Island Express. Yo- Yoku's. Yes. Yeah. Yoku's. Yeah. Yoku's. Yoku's Island Express. Not Yoshi. I know. I wanted to say Yoshi. Um, I, I felt like in that sort of same 
you know, almost same like color palette even, but that that type of design. Oliver, don't know his last name. Oliver from Hand Circus, the developer who brought this back, uh, said that he said, uh, nostalgia creates these rose-tinted memories. It's a funny thing. The way you remember it doesn't always match exactly how it used to be. At first, it was quite jarring. It was like, oh, my God, this looks old. (laughs) (laughs) I completely understand that because, like, looking back, I went back and watched some videos from early reviews of uh, of Rolando. And, like, when I first downloaded and played this version, I was like, oh, yeah, this is the Rolando I remember. And then I went back and looked at it. I was like, oh, I forgot it looked like this before. Oh, dude, I did the same thing with Katamari, and I played that as an adult. Like, it's it's amazing how your brain just fills in with the quality of experience you had. And it's... They rebuilt it. It's beautiful. It's got nice lighting, shadows. They they put every new trick in the book in. It's um, that's like everyone saying, uh, you know, Breath of the Wild. Which funny that mentioned that twice in this episode is what we all thought we were playing when we were playing Ocarina of Time. Hundred oh, percent. But then you go back and play that, and it's like, oh man, this is like tiny and very controlled spaces. Yeah. Basically, they said they didn't upgrade the physics engine. They just made the graphics smoother and everyone thought they upgraded the physics engine. That's interesting. Yeah, the, the physics feel great in this. So I'm I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad it's not been changed. No, they didn't change anything. They just fixed the art and everyone thought it was, they smoothed out the physics engine. That's so. wild, yeah. So I'd like, since we're on the topic of like just how this game looks and its aesthetics, uh, I was sitting down on my... Uh, little beanbag chair in my kids' room. And uh, we were just, you know, fooling around. And I pulled this game out because I wanted to get a few more uh, levels in for the show. And he saw me playing it. And every time the Rolandos would jump, he would just bust out giggling. Aww. And it was very nice. Uh, he really uh, he was, really was so much that I've never let him play a game on my phone. But I handed the, I handed the game to him. And he had fun just rolling the Rolandos back and forth. It was very, uh, very cool. So Their faces are the best thing in the world. We talked about that a second ago, but like, I love the character design of the Rolandos. The spiky commando guys, when you roll them around, they do this face where they like stick up their tongue like they're concentrating really hard. Or like the king is just like this gigantic, fat, snoring, sleepy Rolando who you can't control, so you have to move things around him. Or like the prince is this like, very energetic little Rolando that you also can't control. And he just rolls back and forth on his own, looking very determined. I just, I love all of the little Rolando character faces and animations in this. They're all so cute and they respond when you do things. So like they have different rolling animations versus idle animations. They have jumping facial animations that like look like they're very excited. They move their eyes around and look around the space around them. It's super cute. For an example, the little prince uh, character you meet pretty early, he just uh, is like hyped up on sugar and just rolls back and forth very quickly. And it's it, it looks like the littlest cute shit you babysat. Like ah. it's just kind of like ah, ah, moving back and forth. It's a it's both adorable and irritating, which is exactly what the character is. They're so full of personality, given they're all the same shape. Um Excellent job. Uh, by the way, his name is Simon Oliver, which is why I was confused. Uh-huh. Oliver is his <laughs> last name. That's why all the interviews refer to him just as Oliver. Apologies, Simon, Simon. Oliver. <laughs> Apologies, Simon. You have two first names, and that is A-OK. Yeah, w- uh, one last thing. I'm not sure if this game updated its music 
uh, over the previous version. I don't have any way to go back and check. And I, I guess I didn't really take the time to go back and like listen to the music in old YouTube videos of, of the original Rolando. But one thing I was really struck by pulling this game up now was how good the music sounded. Like the, the music sounds really nice. I, I can only assume it's better in this version because like at 25 megabytes, I don't know how much music they could have included in the original. It's the same. It's the same music by a guy named Mr. Scruff, and the tracks have amazing names that I looked up, oh. including Mice at the Organ, Spandex Man, Shrimp, Ugg, and Stockport Carnival. Ah, those are good titles. And uh, I did not take the time to look any of that up. So um, I, I, I didn't, I never remembered this as being a game with like a great soundtrack. It wasn't just something that stuck out about it in my memory. But going back to it now, I was like, oh man, this has a great soundtrack. Like this is so fun, such fun music. I'll try to drop some of it into the episode if I can find it. It's really, really thanks, good. Thanks, Mr. Scruff. Yeah, thanks, Mr. Scruff. In fact, one of his albums is called Trouser Jazz. <laughs> that's a that's a weird name. We on the show we have we have many times sort of lamented the the state of iOS game preservation and how we continue to lose important older games from the App Store. Um, and I thought it this is as far as I can remember the first at least high profile case of a older game from the App Store making a comeback. And I thought maybe it'd be worth talking a little bit about like why we lose games, why we continue to lose important games from the app store, uh, you know, how, why preservation is so hard with this. And then maybe some ways that and games that we might particularly miss and ways that hopefully this might signal a, a change in the, the direction of the wind on this issue. I mean, man, it's hard being an iOS developer as for a while, the phone stayed the same aspect ratio, and then that was out the door. And then there was like the 32-bit death squad apocalypse of 2017, where like all, anything 32-bit was just gone. Like you have to keep rewriting, you have to keep changing, you have to keep putting higher resolution assets in. I remember like having to do 2X for Retina being really hard on app developers. Mm -hmm. And games in particular, and because there's so much graphical art. And it's not like when you fix it, you get more money. Yeah. No, you, they already bought the game. Yeah. And you're not going to get like, you're not usually going to get a new wave of purchasers because you updated for new devices. It's still going to be an old game and it would take a massive marketing push to get, you know, new customers on those new devices. And that's probably not something that most developers can, can manage to do. And even if they do it, mm -hmm. it did, it might not pay off. People this pay is actually $2 bringing to mind one of the dumbest stories be maintained forever. Yeah. Uh, about that era of the App Store. And that is also about an Ingmoco game called Touch Pets Dogs. <laughs> Touch Pets Dogs was a virtual pet uh, game. And the I just had to look this up. Okay. The producer of Touch Pets Dogs was also a uh, public school teacher. And in the waning days of its popularity as it was beginning to drop in the app store ratings. Uh, he assigned it as homework to all of the children in his political science classes. <laughs> and it worked and it went back up into the, uh, went back up into the uh, app store 
ratings. Uh, but he uh, was found out and uh, shamed by the Pasadena Independent School District for it. Uh, <laughs> what? Yes. And then in uh, shortly thereafter, Ingmoco shut down the servers for Touch Pets Dogs, which why your virtual pet needs servers, I do not know. Uh, but yeah, at that point, it was removed from the App Store like so many games. And so uh, another example of uh, a couple of different reasons why a game might drop off the App Store. Um uh, review fraud and <laughs> hopefully that's a less common one <laughs> and the server is going down which is even more common than ever today mm-hmm. there's so many like reasons that so this the deck is stacked so much against these older games i mean and honestly there there are things that apple could have done differently or could continue could do differently now that would change this a bit you know they could provide more like optional uh, um, compatibility modes or more optional backward compatibility modes on, you know, newer devices to allow these things to continue to run. Um, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that Apple could be doing differently, um, but they can't really change the economics of the picture, which is basically that uh, assuming that the platform continues to roll on and require that things be updated in at least small ways in order to continue to work, you know, any level of updates are going to be essentially impossible or at least not practical for a lot of these developers. These developers might move on to other companies and there's no one there to maintain the product. The, the, you know, there, the, um, there might be a game might change hands. There might be, you know, rights issues involved. Um, there's all sorts of reasons that a game might get either pulled from the store or stop working, uh, that are difficult to resolve and, you know, there's not a whole lot that can be done about it. I know there's a bunch of games on the app store that I particularly miss, like that whenever, we, whenever this topic comes up, there's, there's always, you know, everybody has their two or three pet games that, you know, they miss and they wish would make a comeback. For me, the biggest one is I blast Moki uh, and I blast Moki two, which were these really deep puzzle games that actually had a lot in common with Rolando. It was about rolling little ball characters around. Um, but the, the big difference there was that the puzzles were mostly around like setting things up by like setting the, the various different um, exploding bomb characters in different positions so that they would roll and explode at the right time. There were a lot of timers involved in the puzzles. And I really, really liked those games. And I completed all of iBlast Moki 1. And I I remember I had iBlast Moki 2 on my iPad and I would go back to it every now and then and complete it. And it stopped working before I completed it. And that still bothers me. Yeah, let's get a Royal Edition for it. Yeah. I'll take a Royal Edition of any game. Um, A game that I was... Really, one of the first games that I downloaded on my iPod Touch. I think it's actually the second game after Ski Ball, uh, and I do believe that it's coming back, maybe. But Hook Champ, I'm Hook a, Champ is coming back. Yeah, yes, hu- yeah. Huge fan of that game uh, for a lot of reasons, but uh, I love swinging mechanics in games, uh, and this game might be why I have that love for a good swinging mechanic. Um, it's, it's a delightful game and you can't get it anymore. So I'm, I'm really excited that I guess it is potentially likely possibly on its way back. Yeah. We should talk about that in a sec. There's definitely some, I feel like there's a small amount of like a change in, in the wind here. There's some new ideas, new business models coming around that might make some of this long-term maintenance or revival of old games more possible, but Another big, big reason that games sometimes drop off the app store is that very large companies early on would 
release these games that were in, that involved their big money, big name IP. And as soon as those big companies uh, lost, you know, they no longer were paying attention to that game, those things would disappear from the app store uh, for rights reasons or just because they were no longer being updated. Um, that's what was what happened with a game that I really loved called Castlevania Puzzle Encore of the Night. It's a game that like it feels almost bizarre that it ever existed now, but it was actually really, really solid. It was a one v one puzzle game like a it, it reminded me a lot of like Puyo Puyo or um, Puzzle Quest or some things like that. Uh, but it was with art from Castlevania Symphony of the Night. It had the plot and it had the the layout, the, the like map layout of Castlevania Symphony of the Night. But Rather than uh, playing an action game and fighting all of the enemies, every time you encountered an enemy, you would play them at a puzzle game and you had to defeat them with puzzle game mechanics in order to kill them and move on. And it was it felt like it felt like a full symphony of the night, but with all of the combat replaced with puzzles. It was a really clever idea. And that game exists nowhere now. You know, Konami has moved the heck on. They have no interest in this weird iPhone game they put out. I would buy that game again today on a console if it came out, but there's no chance of that. I think the game I've had that was viciously murdered was uh, the Tap Tap Revenge, which was, yes, a Dance Dance Revolution just total ripoff for a phone, but it was incredibly popular. Disney bought it and murdered it. Yeah, I forgot about that. The Disney bought that game. That was so weird. Yep, Disney yep. bought it, and four years later, the servers were all shut down, and it was dead. That sucks. That was a really early uh, iPhone success. That that game actually originally debuted um, on the iPhone before there was an app store. It was one of the games that was like created as Jail a jailbreak thing, and then yeah. later transitioned to being an app store release. Important. There were four versions of it. It was still really popular. Disney murdered it. Yeah. Um, but Thanks, it's Disney. not what I feel the most uh, nostalgic for. I will say that uh, Sword and Poker, which I have talked about mm. years ago on here, my poker RPG, uh, also killed by a weird freemium thing. And um, I do miss a lot. Um, two games that are actually did come back. So there was hope for some of my favorites. Space Miner or Bust is coming back with Game Club, same people who did Hook Champ. And that is my like weird redneck space mining adventure shooter game. Yes, I'm recommending a shooter. It's that good. I've heard amazing and things about that. I really want to play it. I can't wait. And Seuss, which I thought was dead. And apparently last August, they just quietly updated it, re-released it. So wow. I'm going to go download that because that's my gravity defying. Uh, you're on planets and you run around the planets and then you hop to other ones, constantly switching uh, gravity. Oh. It's like Ender's Game uh, plus Rolando. It's very fun. That sounds like a lot of One fun. One of the games that has got to have the weirdest story of coming off of the app store, just in terms of pure strangeness, is Flappy Bird. Yeah, Flappy that was Bird such was a strange story. Incredibly basic game. It was just so stripped down in, in terms of what it is. Uh, you know, you're just a bird. You hit tap anywhere on the screen to flap, and you want to go through this obstacle course and see how far you can get. And for some reason, this game took on this new importance when it was removed from the App Store. I think it would have been a, it was just a game that was, you know, flying off the digital shelves. And then in, in the midst of that, the creator deletes it from the store and everyone is just asking why, why? Because 
this was like the number one game on the App Store. Uh, and in interviews, he said he thought that the game was too addictive <laughs> and that it had to be deleted. And I was sure that was some kind of ploy. No one could really create a video game and then say it's too addictive and delete it. But this guy did. And iPhones that had Flappy Bird on them were selling for two or three times their sticker price. Used iPhones just be because they had this bird jumping game. And, you know, jokes on them, like even if you have that on your phone, if you've updated to iOS 11, there's definitely not going to run. Although I'm sure that a lot of the phones that were around then probably, I don't even know if they can run mm -hmm. it, but it's hard there's to get your hands on games. that these days. Although there's a zillion Flappy Bird clones out there, so I don't feel the loss of that one as keenly as I might have. Any Flappy noun can be acquired on the App Store at this That's point. That's such They're a simple game to Often to imitated, never duplicated. I do happen to have a phone uh, with Flappy Bird on it if any of our listeners want to make a ridiculous offer for it. Uh, <laughs> I have I have a Flappy Bird uh, port on the Vectrex. Like it, it's on everything now. <laughs> I am pretty sure that Flight Control, one of my most uh. remembered games, uh, that's no longer available on the App Store, uh, is on one of these old phones in my phone drawer as well. And that. It was it was just a perfect game for the iPhone. It really that's it, more than almost any of these. So that one surprises style. me that it's no longer available because it, it seemed like I mean, it's such an obvious good it's concept. Iconic. It is why, iconic. Why isn't it on the App Store? Yeah, that and Rolando were like the ones that confused me the most. It's not like they they like disappeared from the phones because they were obscure. Like that is an ex people still know what flight control is. I, I, also, Peggle, uh, another one that like incredibly iconic they're still making peggle games that one's not as sad to me because you can still get and play original peggle on other platforms but i played peggle for the first time on the iphone and loved it it was perfect that game was incredibly addictive and now the only version of peggle you can get is a freemium or sort of free to play version called peggle blast which is not the same you know it's it's just not like, where is my actual peggle for the phone i want that back yeah i love peggle there's a roguelike that I got really into that came out in like 2010 or 2011 called 100 Rogues. Uh, if anyone ever happened to play that, uh, is a huge fan of that game and it died in the 32 bit uh, <sighs> Armageddon and it'd be, it'd be cool if that came back. Yeah. So there's so many of these games that have, that are kind of lost to the app store. I haven't had a lot of hope that this was ever going to turn around and I still don't think it's going to be like a massive overnight turnaround or anything, but there are some things happening on the store that make me have a little more hope for this than I once did. Um, you know, things like Rolando coming back from their original developers in new and updated versions is a big one. Like I, I was super excited to see that, but I'm also extremely excited. We briefly mentioned it about game club um, so I had only just recently found out about Game Club. Um, I mean, it's still a pretty new thing. Laura, do you want to explain what Game Club is? Sure. Game Club's entire reason for being is to breathe new life into old mobile games that you can no longer play. Um, so they'll take new or old games uh, from developers uh, that cannot maintain them for whatever reason, and they'll take a look at the code. They will update them to the latest ones and release them. So they haven't released anything yet, but they've announced several games um, from the more obscure to ones that I was like, 
you know, yes, please release this now. I've been waiting for my Space Miner game to go back up. Uh, they've a lot of the stuff is kind of undiscovered gems or favorites that they found, you know, some benefit in re-releasing. And, you know, they will be re-releasing them for money. Uh, just the fact that I bought Space Miner in 2009 doesn't mean that I won't pay it again. But it, it's the same kind of thing when people are re-releasing console games or re-releasing, you know, Atari games for the PS4. People will gladly rebuy it if it means they get to play their nearest and dearest things and, you know, show it to new people. So Game Club has gotten a lot of good press because uh, of one of the founders of Touch Arcade, um, Eli Hop. I think it's Hodap. What is his last name? I think it's Hodap, but I may not be right about yes. the pronunciation. Oh, sorry if we mispronounced your name, but uh, he has been one of their high publicity hires. Um, they've got a huge list of anticipated releases i am hoping for only good things i think they've got 50 games in their queue game club's extremely exciting yeah what's particularly exciting to me about this and they haven't they haven't really gone a ho- done a whole lot of explaining of what their business model is but the rumor so take this with a grain of salt and it sounds to me like it's still sort of being worked out um the rumor is that this is going to be basically a subscription service, kind of similar to what Apple is doing with Apple Arcade, where you would pay a monthly fee of some amount and get access to a library of, you know, 50 or many more, hopefully eventually, um, uh, iOS games that they are kind of pulling into their service. Um, And that actually is really exciting to me. Like, I'm not usually excited about like a new subscription to pay monthly or something, but the idea that, like, that seems like a perfect fit because, these games are going to need ongoing maintenance in order to continue to exist on the App Store. Um, a subscription model makes perfect sense. There's no way that developers could do a subscription for their one game at a time or maybe a small handful of games. There's no way for like, you know, um, for the folks who make HookChamp to do a subscription service to pay for just HookChamp. No one <laughs> would do that. Um, their options were... If do, it came with a grappling hook, I might. Yeah, that's true. Do uh, their options were like charge once for a big update and you know for like for the big release and then never charge anybody again, or to do some kind of freemium model. But a subscription for a suite of games feels like something that people will actually do. I would absolutely pay for access to a large library of these classic. And particularly, this feels like it'll be like a curated library of important iOS games. Like that's something that I would absolutely pay monthly for. And that ongoing income would pay to help keep these games working. And I think that's a really nice synergy. Like that's an op, that's a that's a, a funding model that didn't exist when these games were dropping off of the App Store. So I'm I'm really hopeful about that. I might pay a subscription try. just to get Dungeon Raid back. <laughs> I haven't played that one. And that's the thing is like, there's so many of these games are like, I, I would, I would, I absolutely want to play that game because I know that people talked about it and I missed it back in the day. I have no way to play it now. I would absolutely pay a subscription for it. Um, another thing about uh, Game Club that I want to mention in case people are interested, because I know I was very interested, you can go to their website right now and put your name in for to their newsletter and you'll get an invite to their Discord. I don't usually get very excited about Discords, but in their Discord, they are still actively seeking uh, beta testers for all of the games that they are currently they currently have announced and are bringing out. So um, right now, I am personally beta testing Hook Champ and uh, Incubato and uh, Chopper. Sort of Farragul here. <laughs> I haven't tried Sort of Farragul yet, um, but like 
Incubato, like that, this game is really great. And I never played this back in the day. I'm so glad I get to play this now. Is Game Club just doing, you know, as straight as possible a, a translation or are they upgrading the games in any way? They're upgrading them a little bit. They're, they're going to run on all modern devices. So uh, even if they didn't back in the day, I think that they're trying to make sure that these games will run on, you know, modern iPhones and iPads. And um, they are at least as much as possible without totally redoing art, um, making them fit to the modern screen dimensions. So for example, with Hook Champ, um, you do, you, you know, if you're running it on an iPhone 10, you get that nice widescreen presentation, which the game definitely didn't have when it was running back in the day. Um, you know, you go to the map screen and there is no widescreen version of that map. So you get black bars there, but they're they're trying to use the the screen as best they can where they can. So like screens like when you're actually in gameplay, you get to use the full widescreen. Um, so it's not just 100% straight up ported out. Um, they are doing some level of upgrades to these games. I don't know exactly what their standard is going to be for that, but they feel like they feel like good ports so far. So I, I'm I'm super excited about it. Yeah, that's really awesome. I mean that that is somebody trying to solve the exact problem that we spent, you know, 20 minutes of this podcast talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, hiring uh, Eli Hodap is like a like a super smart move. Like he's going to be a great evangelist for this, and also probably has the contacts with these developers and the the clout to uh, to like convince. He's already convincing what seems like big name developers, people like Rocket Cat Games. Um, to come on board with their older games that are dropped off the store. I think, I think things are really aligning with this. So I, I'm, I cannot wait to see where they, where they go with this. And also with Apple doing their Apple arcade thing, that sort of points to the fact that at least Apple thinks this is a business model that'll work. And uh, I tend to agree. So I'm, I'm really hopeful about this. So I think we can all agree that game club is making us happy, but why don't we get, a little more specific and wrap up our conversation about uh, iPhone games and Rolando and move into our favorite segment. What's making us happy Reagan. What's making you happy right now? Oh, I mean, apart from everything we were just talking about, apart from rolling my Rolandos back and forth, um, I know it's been a pretty quiet week for me, but I guess one thing that really made me happy this week was that uh, I, I've, I, so I listen to a podcast that I totally recommend to everybody called 302010. It's a uh, it's a pop culture podcast where they talk about what was happening in pop culture this week 30, 20 and 10 years ago and I found out that it was the 30th anniversary of the movie Say Anything which I had never seen. I was like, "Wow, I guess that's a movie I've completely missed for 30 years and decided to give it a shot and I don't have much to say about it other than that it was a really nice movie. I really liked it a lot better than I expected to. And um, man, John Cusack used to be used to be really good. <laughs> I was like a dreamboat because yeah. that's the correct way to finish used that to be sentence. really good. I think I don't know. I haven't seen anything with him in a long time, but I bet I bet he's still pretty good. His character in that is just so charming. Like I I thought he was great and. Like there's so there's so many pitfalls for like that st- sort of role in a romantic comedy. Um, you know he where you know with thir- with thirty years of hindsight they can seem creepy, but like I didn't think he seemed creepy at all. I thought he was so great. So I don't know. Highly cool. recommend that movie, and uh, it made me happy to watch it this week. I'd never seen it before. I didn't realize that uh, the main character's dad was also Frasier's dad. That actor whose name is escaping oh. me. Uh, he's a uh, 
Steppenwolf actor. Yeah, yeah. John. John. Mo- it's not Mo- John Mulaney. Not John Mulaney. It's, very- it's an M name. <laughs> but it's very close to it. You're Mahoney. Right. <laughs> Maybe Mahoney. I don't know. I think it's Mahoney. I'm not yes. going to look it up. Thank you, Laura. Yeah. Not John Mulaney. Um, yeah. And he was really. <laughs> it's super close to John Mulaney, but not John Mulaney. Yeah. What if really it was John it. Mulaney? So I, I I thought the movie was great. Um, this far after the fact, all you think about is like the image of uh, of um, uh, John Cusack standing in that incredibly unattractive trench coat that he wears for almost the entire movie, holding up the boombox. And I thought that was some like big climactic part of the movie. I thought that was like that had to be like a V climax, right? That's basically part of a montage. It's like a it's like a throwaway scene. It's like not very important. It sort of surprised me how like minor that part of the movie is. Um, but I don't know. That movie is really good if you like that sort of thing. So, you know, that's what's making me happy. Laura. What's making me happy is something incredibly hipster that I did, which is I went to a Cats and Mats yoga class. Oh, my God. The photos you said to this were hilarious. Uh, so the Anti-Cruelty Society uh, in Chicago and other places do this, so search cat yoga in your city name and you'll probably find it. But uh, it turns out that a lot of shelters do um, cat yoga once a month so they can acclimate their new little foster kitties to human beings <laughs> before the cats get adopted. Oh, is that why they do Which it? Which means you do yoga and the tiny sleepy kitties run around and occasionally just climb on you and you stop doing yoga so you can pet the cats. Um, I'm not even a huge cat person, but these were the tiniest kittens I'd ever seen. And they really like matching things like the black kitten. uh, It was inexplicably snowing, really like blizzard outside of um, the room. And so everyone had their coats. And so like the little black kitty went and like hung out in a hoodie and the gray cat liked my yoga mat because it it was gray was rolled up. It was I sent Snapchats to everybody on this uh, podcast. It was great. It was ridiculous. The only thing I basically would have left my house in a snowstorm in April for um, <laughs> nice. very cute. And 10 bucks went to, you know, help out some cats that would get adopted soon. So also the yoga class was hard. So <laughs> I, I, I thought that cat yoga was going to be a blow off yoga class. And that it was an actual, like probably the most challenging yoga class I've taken in three years. So wow. good on the yoga teachers at cats and mats. <laughs> I, I was terrified that I would cats, like but... downward dog onto a cat. You know, well, that's they 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 will warn you and they like other people. Everyone's kind of looking for cats. So if you do something like some a girl in front of me was planking and a kitty ran under her feet and I was like, don't take a knee. (laughs) (laughs) And she kind of just rolled to the side and then played with the cat for a bit. Um, Oh, that sounds amazing. We looked out for each other. That's awesome. Cats. Shane, what's making you happy this week? Great. Uh, Just. Uh. As a broad category, TV is making me happy this week. Uh, obviously, Game of Thrones is back. TV is uh, really good right now. I am almost all the way through my second watch. Uh, I almost never rewatch shows, especially like right after I finish them. But uh, Killing Eve is coming back for its second season. Ooh! Uh, I just wanted to get Julia on board, uh, so I was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll rewatch it. Let's let's watch this show." Killing Eve rules. Uh, It is about this really ambitious and smart secret intelligence agent named uh, named Eve. And Eve works trying to kind of work her way up British intelligence and uh, hasn't really 
gone that high. And but she starts kind of getting her life kind of entwined with uh, she this assassin who they call Villanelle. And she's kind of put on a secret team to track this one assassin and kind of figure out wh- why she's killing who she's killing and, you know, see if they can catch her and so on. And th- this show is just so um, audacious and like it's got this intense mood, but it's also still hilarious. I can't recommend this enough. It really is a standout show for me. I, I um, if you are trying to fit in one more show and I know like literally every good show on television is coming back all at once. Um, if you want to squeeze in a new one at just in time for, you know, season two, this is a great show to be checking out. Definitely making me happy this week. Awesome. I loved that show. I, I, I should rewatch at least a few episodes before the new season rolls up. That's, that's very exciting. It's out. I think they're two episodes into the new season. Oh, really? Damn. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm behind already. Dang. That show is so good. So good. Nate, what's making you happy this week? Yeah, um, so it's been a pretty crazy like last month or so um, moving and all that goes with that. And I'll just say, um, so I vastly overestimated my ability to paint and paint quickly. Um, <laughs> so what's making me happy is that I am almost done painting at the new house as well as cleaning up and preparing the old place for sale. It's been just a lot of driving around, running around, carrying stuff. Anyone who's moved, as I'm sure most people have, know what I'm talking about. And it's been a lot. And also, you know, um, doing all of it while with like work and and like a, a child and then everything else. I am almost done with the bulk of that sort of stuff. And I am very happy about it. We still got a lot of stuff to do inside of the house as far as like getting organized and whatnot, but like the boring stuff like painting and just lugging things between houses is almost done and it is making me happy and I'll have more time for video games. It's been very nice doing these mobile games two in a row um, (laughs) because I can do those anywhere. So I appreciate that as well. So congratulations, uh, Nate. Yes. Thank you. That is what is making me happy. And you listeners have also been making me very happy this week. So thank you for listening to the short game. Uh, You can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net where you'll find our contact form. Great way to let us know what you're playing short games that you think are interesting or are upcoming that you want us to cover. Um, or old short games that you want us to cover. Or hey, just let us know what lost iOS games we'll never get to play, and uh, we'll mourn that with you. Um, also, uh, you can find us on Twitter, at underscore short game. And you can find me personally on Twitter, at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter, at Laura J. Nash. Shane, where can people find you? Over on Twitter, at 8BitShane. And Nate, where can people find you? Guess what? On Twitter at Nate STL. And thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game.